Hey, it's a real privilege always to be able to preach, so thanks for being here. Thanks for those who are online and engaging with us. Um, there's a lot going on in the life of our church. Um, while we're highlighting and celebrating, our youth ministry had 161 people in the room on Friday night. Isn't that incredible? Like, well done to Ed, to Kirst, um, and the rest of our young adults, youth leaders who give up Friday night after Friday night after Friday night to serve here, and uh, it's just incredible. So I am speaking on weakness is your superpower, and I'll explain that just in a little bit, but I have to preface it with just a little story. Um, I have two younger brothers. I'm the oldest of three. My uh, last brother is, is very little, um, but my second brother is two years apart, and uh, I don't know how many of you have teenage boys, um, but there's just something about teenage boys that you have to to, you have to wrestle, you have to show who's stronger. Um, my brother is a lot bigger than me now, uh, so I'm so grateful that we don't wrestle now. But I used to just kind of every couple of days need to let him know who is the alpha male in the house, who's the dominant um, figure, and so we would wrestle. And the wrestle would always end in him giving some kind of mercy plea. Um, so, and he would try and avoid it as long as he could, and he would try and wrestle me back. And, but it, it had to end with him saying something like, you're stronger, you're better looking, um, and I would normally give him the kind of famous words that he needs to let me know, and so, you know, I'd say, today it's like, you're going to need to say that I'm very good looking, better looking than you, um, and then he'd like kind of, you better, because he didn't want to say the actual words, you know, and then we'd wrestle, and, and, um, and, and, and this was kind of just 14 to 18 was, was, was how um, our relationship took place, and, and uh, on a particular Saturday morning, um, we, my dad had asked us to help him do some kind of manual labor around the house, and we went to pick up this item, and as we picked it up, I knew that we were not going to make it from where we need to be to where it needs to go. It was damn heavy, okay? So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all I need to do is hold it one second longer than my younger brother, and he will have to admit that he needs to put it down. And so we're carrying this piece of uh, furniture from one side to the other, and I keep shouting back, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, you're still good? Yeah, no, I'm good. How's it going back there? No, I'm fine. And in a moment of desperation, and I could feel, I could feel it being shifted, I could feel the fingers taking strain, and in a moment of desperation, he shouted out, to my great delight and my great joy, he shouted out, I'm weak, I'm weak! <laughs> Which maybe doesn't bring you as much joy as it brought me, but he could have shouted many things in this moment, like, it's heavy, you know, that's a gr greater kind of uh, a declaration than I'm weak, it's heavy, but... Or, or like, can we break? Can we put it? But he shouted, I'm weak, I'm weak. And it's 20 years later. And every time I see him pick anything up, I just shout, I'm weak, I'm weak. <laughs> Which is just a great joy to me. Um, and I don't know what it is about society, but we just hate admitting that we're weak. We just, it's just, we, in fact, we won't just not admit we're weak. We'll avoid circumstances that show that we're weak. Like, we'll think about when people say, like, if you're going to go to the gym to, like, push weights or whatever, you won't go to the gym and your reason will be, no, because I'm too weak. 
So the very thing that can make you strong, you're like, no, I can't go to the gym because it's going to show that I'm too weak. Are you going to start running? No, I can't run, so I'm not going to run. But if you just ran, you'd be able to run. Or like, you don't take the test because you might fail. Or you don't try the thing because you might come lost. We do whatever we can to avoid weakness. Now that's totally fine when it's an area like Sing Shop where you're like, I can't sing. Like, we're, we're pretty bold and brave. The other day, I was um, singing in the office, so I totally get what Eugene says. Like, I love singing. And uh, one of the staff members at True Life said, uh, yo, you can hear Cole's happy today. And uh, then he followed to say, we're not, because he's singing. Um, but So it's totally fine to admit your weakness when you don't need to be strong or don't want to be strong. What happens when... We know that we want to or need to be strong in a particular area, and we're just not. Like when you want to be a good dad, but you know you're weak in that area. Or you want to be a good husband, but you see the frailties and the flaws and the weakness. You want to be a good mom, or you want to be a good wife, or perhaps you... You want to be a good provider. You want to be able to run that business, but it doesn't matter what you try, there's weakness. Maybe it's just you just want to be a good person, a good Christian, and there's all of these weaknesses. Now, disclaimer, I know that God wants to use our strengths. He wouldn't have wired us in a way that he's given us certain strengths that he would then avoid or not use them. But I've got to be honest with you, much of my life when I look at it feels more weak than strong. Much of my life, there's these kind of exasperated comments that I either say out loud or mumble or I think them in my head where I just feel like I don't have what it takes. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I feel like there's enough on the inside. I've run out of ideas. I don't have any cards up my sleeve. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. And I feel desperately weak. I want to talk about weakness today because I'm hoping that by the end of today, you and I are going to shout like my younger brother did, I'm weak, I'm weak, and feel so brave and confident at that statement because you have a different view of weakness, that it's not something that you're going to be ashamed or embarrassed or trying to avoid or trying to make sure that you don't have areas or moments of weakness, but that there's going to be this boldness and this confidence that goes, actually, I am strongest when I am weakest. And so I want to read from a a passage, but before I do... Let me tell you the title. Hope mentioned it earlier. It was up on social media in the week. It says, Weakness is your superpower. Do you know that question? Like, if you could have one superpower, like, what would it be? Like, you could be invisible, or I don't know, you could um, run faster than anybody, or you could um, fly, whatever it is. I believe that the greatest superpower you and I could ever have is our very own weaknesses. So I'm going to read to you a passage, and I'm hoping as I read this passage that we engage in this passage, that we don't just go like, oh, yeah, it's the Bible, and if it says that, it's actually fairly shocking what this piece of Scripture says. It's so vastly different to what society teaches us. It is so counterculture 
And, and I'd suggest that for many of us, it's not quite yet true. So I'm going to read it with you. It's going to come up on the screen. I've asked the creative guys just to highlight a couple of words that will help kind of cause the scripture to come alive to us. But it says this, the context is Paul who said to God, God, there's areas of weakness, frustration, and, and, and things that are causing failure. Please, can you remove it? And God responds to him about these areas of weakness. And he says this, each time he said, he being God, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So can my power work in other areas? Absolutely. But if you want it to be optimized, it'll be in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. I don't know when was the last time you and I boasted about our weaknesses. We're pretty good as a society to boast about our strengths, to boast about our successes, our cars, our homes, our work, our kids, our, our church. I boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. I, mean, I don't know when the last time you and I took pleasure in our weaknesses. I grip my teeth through them. I pray prayers through them. I'm frustrated in them. Take pleasure in my weaknesses, in my hardships, in my insults, in the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, if we took this piece of passage, and I'm just going to have a go at anybody who's on social media and particularly some of the young guys just for a moment here. If we had to put this to the test with our social media influences and filters and voices, they would kick back at this statement going, this is a toxic thought. This is not good for you. And they would probably respond and retort with something that sounds a little bit more like this, because this is what I read on social media. These are the conversations I hear, even in Christian circles. They'll probably respond like this. Self-love is all you need. You are powerful. If you don't feel that way, self-care and some me time will get you back on your feet or in your bed, whichever is more comfortable for you. Boast, yes, boast in who you are. You are strong and awesome. Don't let anyone or anything tell you otherwise. Never, I mean never, do anything that makes you feel weak uncomfortable, or that is mildly difficult. Take pleasure in what gives you pleasure. Avoid all hardships and people who have ugly things to say about you. Cut them out. Make sure your life is on a path of least resistance. That way, you and you alone will be happy by living your best life. Remember, as the great philosopher Instagram once said, if it doesn't make you feel good, it's not good for you. So finally, repeat after me. You are strong, babe. You are strong, bro. Why? Because you are strong. <laughs> I took such delight in writing this. It's my favorite moment preparing this sermon. Because that is the hot air. I want to use worse language, 
But that is the hot air that much of the younger generation are living by. And yet the scriptures tell us quite differently. The scriptures magnify, encourage, invite us into weakness, invite us into times of incapabilities and insufficiencies, into impossible situations. And jokes aside, I honestly am a little worried about this younger generation. I mean, I, I know, I, I, I am getting old for sure because I remember Roger and Vonnie saying these words to me. Worry about these young guys, eh? Now I'm starting to say the same damn things. You still worry about me. I worry about Ed. I've definitely taken over your job because uh, I'm like celebrating with Ed about 161 guys, but I'm like, but the toilets are also dirty, yeah? So look shop. So true story. True story. So, but there's a quote that I want to read. It's going to pop up on the screen. Um, and it says this, the truth is so foreign because lies are so familiar. We are like inundated with these social media posts. There's this narrative out there that if it's too hard or too far or too much, it must mean you should quit. Have you heard the lie? And I emphasize the lie that God won't let you go through something you can't handle. I mean, are we just writing our own scripture now? Because when I look through scripture, I often see God allowing you to walk through stuff you can't handle for the very reason that you would become weak so that he can show himself strong. Soon as it gets too hard, it's like, soon as it gets too difficult, it's like, tap out. I think we should tap in. I think God's calling and prompting and moving his church to walk into areas of weakness. Our society has set up these safety measures protecting us from anything that's beyond ourselves. This generation is self-diagnosing hardship as mental health. It's a worry for me, I'll just be honest. Now, I, I, I'm gonna just say this, there are people who are legitimately struggling with mental health and I'm not, I, I'm not talking about you should get help, you need help, but I'm just saying far too quickly Far too often, particularly the younger generation, as soon as there needs to be a little bit of grit, a little bit of grace, a little bit of God, we quit. We're self-diagnosing, it's hard, I must have mental health issues. No, you've just got calling issues. And I just want to say that I think we have an opportunity to let the, God, the, the Word of God be our blueprint. When the world falls apart in times of weakness, I truly believe we come alive. I truly believe we come alive. Weakness is your superpower. Have you ever considered Jesus, how much he invited us into weakness? Think about when he was with his disciples. He says to Peter, he's like, come, walk here. Peter's like, you know no one can walk where do you mean here? You mean here? You mean where you sink? Yeah, walk there. I th I'm just having a mental health bad day, God. I'm going to tap out of that one. What about when Jesus says to his disciples, there's 5,000 guys, feed them? And they're like, it's impossible. 
It'll take six months worth of wages. He's like, I didn't change my tune. Feed them. And you know what's incredible? Sometimes the kind of story headlines like Jesus fed the 5,000, but actually the disciples fed the 5,000. Jesus blessed the food. See, when you step out of your comfort, the possible, the probable, the easy, and you go, okay, what about the man who had a shriveled hand and Jesus says, stretch out your hand? You're like, I can imagine the guy looking at Jesus going, you're asking me to do the one thing I can't do. Like, ask me anything else. The one thing. And just by the way, God, I don't like that you're highlighting and pinpointing my weakness. So I was like, no problem. Stretch it out. I think, I think that there's a church that is feeble and weak and limping and lame with their tail between their legs because we have the wrong view of weakness. We think weakness means quit. We think weakness means over. I'm hoping today that I'm gonna be able to give you a slightly different vantage point, a slightly different view of weakness, that you walk out of here just like my younger brother and you shout, I am weak, I'm weak. So I'm going to take you to a story in the book of Judges. And for time's sake, I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing. I'm just going to pull out little verses. It's from Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7. I'm reading from the NLT version if you do want to go and read it later on. But the context is this. Israel is being dominated. There's about to be a war against the Midianites, and the Midianites are going to thrash them. They are just much larger, much stronger. Uh, they have, um, they're just in every way more powerful. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and he says this. He says, uh, uh, says mighty, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Some versions say mighty hero. Some versions say man of, mighty man of valor. It's like God is speaking to Gideon. And Gideon's response is like, me. And he responds by going, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. He's like, I'm the least of the least of the last. In fact, if you read the message version, it actually speaks about him being the runt of the litter. He's like, you, you got something wrong here, God. Now let me tell you this, church. You're going to have to decide today or someday whether you're going to believe that God's report about who you are or your report about who you are. Because as long as you're looking through your filter, you're always going to feel like you can't because you're weak. But God goes, I see who I've created you to be. You know, God's the only person who can introduce himself to you and then you to yourself. Then, after this incredible encounter, Gideon sets up this altar. It says, and Gideon built an altar to the Lord and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And I just believe that for many of us, when we encounter Shalom, the peace of God, even when we feel weak, and, but we experience peace, we will be strong. 
That's kind of all that happened there. It didn't, he didn't say, hey, this God is the one who makes me mighty. This God's the one who makes me strong. It's like this one, even when I feel weak, gives me strength because of peace. And so it goes on in the story and um, it says that then the Lord, or then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. And this idea of clothed happens all the way throughout the scriptures. And I love the imagery because sometimes you've got to get it on before you get it in. What I mean by that is sometimes you don't feel it, but you've got to choose it. You just choose to put it on. Do I feel strong? No. Am I going to walk in his strength? Yes. Do I fully believe it in my mind? Not yet, but I'm going to choose to put on the strength and the power of God. So I'm going to get it on until I get it in. Some of us are waiting to get it in before we move. Sometimes you just got to get it on and move. I'm going to walk in the power of God. And so Gideon walks in the power and the peace of God, and that's what makes him strong. Now you would think, and, and, and I've preached this message before, and I love this bit of the scripture that God changes your identity and he doesn't see you weak and it's his name and it's his identity and, 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 and that's where I've often stopped. But you would think that the passage ends by going, okay, because what happens is Gideon gets like all pumped up and he's like, okay, God, I believe that you can do it. I got your power. I got your peace. He rallies 32,000 military men, army soldiers. He's like, we're going to go off to battle. And you would think that what happens is it, it kind of ends with, and then God blessed them in his strength and they won the battle. But that's not what happens. 32,000 men head off. And then God says to him, you got too many men. Send everybody who's afraid home, and about 20,000 people go home. Then God looks at him and says, still got too many men. Only those who lap water stay. Everybody else go home. He's left with 300 men. Less than 1% of what started. You see, God will strip your strength in order for you to recognize where the power and the glory ultimately rests. Listen what it says here. He says it himself, God. He says, you have too many warriors with you. I let, uh, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. And so, I hope I get this point across to you today. God, not always the devil, God will strip you of your strength so that you cannot rely on you. God will allow you to walk in weakness so that he can show himself strong so that he gets all the glory. The story ends by the 300 men not even going into battle. They basically break some jars and shine some torches and lights and everybody gets confused and about a million soldiers all kill each other and run away and there's this incredible victory. And I'm telling you that some of you are in the room today and you have the strength that feels like less than 1%. And you believe this lie that that means failure. That doesn't mean failure. That means God goes to war on your behalf. He will strip you of your strength so that you walk in weakness, so that his power moves, so that he gets the glory and the credit. And so many of us need to change our views. We get bleak when we're weak. How many of us get bleak when we're weak? So I want to give you four anti-bleak 
anti-bleach, anti-bleak remedies. The first is weak is not bleak, weak is on fleek. Now, now, everybody over 30 is like, what the hell is that? And the word fleek means this, just to help some of you slightly older, less cool people just enter the room with us. Fleek means extremely good, attractive, or stylish. And God just gave me a gift this morning because when I saw Kirst in her pants, just stand up, Kirst, I know you online guys might not be able to see it. I was like, those are awesome pants. Those are on fleek. And then I looked across at Yvonne, please stand up, Vonnie, and I'm like, you're wearing, you're wearing the same pants. You're on fleek, Vonnie. What a gift God is to us sometimes. <laughs> so weak is not bleak. Weak is on fleek. It is extremely good, attractive, or stylish. I'm telling you that we need to change the way that we see weakness. We need to have a different view and vantage point around weakness. Most of us don't see weakness as good, attractive, or stylish. We see our strengths like that, not our weaknesses. I think some of us needs to start celebrating our weaknesses because we have a right view. Listen what Paul, we read the scripture, we're going to keep going back to it, we read it in the beginning. Listen what Paul says about his weaknesses. He says, now I am glad to boast in my weaknesses. Some of us need to start celebrating that we can't. Some of us need to start celebrating that we're at the end of ourselves. Some of us need to start speaking differently about the point that we've got to. Going, it feels too much. But it's a moment for God to start coming through for me. I'm at the end of myself, which sounds like the beginning of God. I'm on 1%, but it looks like a miracle's about to take place. I thought I was stripped when he sent 20,000 home. I thought that was the end, but he sent more home. It's only 300 of us, but God's about to do something. We need to believe that weak is not bleak. Weak is on fleek. Listen to what he says. He says, that's why I take pleasure. In my weaknesses, the word has to become true on the inside. We look and go like, man, I don't, I don't know how. I, I don't know how. And if we change our attitude towards weakness, the devil's not going to know what to do with himself. Because when we're strong, we're giving glory, and when we're weak, we're getting ready. Hey, imagine, what's he going to do? Every time we're strong, we're giving glory. When we're weak, we're getting ready. Weak is not bleak, weak is on fleek. The second is, weak is not bleak, weak means living meek. Now, let me speak to everybody who's under 30 because you've never used the word meek. <laughs> Many people think the word meek means to be like, they actually think it means to be weak. They think it's like to be a drip or to be like a walkover or, you know, just to be soft. But meek actually doesn't mean that in the context of the scriptures. The word meek means to be humble, patient, reverent. And so meek doesn't mean weak, but weak leads us to being meek, leads us to being humble, to being reverent of God 
to being patient for him to move and for us to stop trying in our own strength. Weak leads to being meek. We get to a place when we're like, God, I'm at a loss. I got nowhere to turn. Some of you in the room saying these exact same things about your business, about your marriage, about your struggles. I believe that God is wanting us to get to a place where we go, God, I, I can't, but I'm trusting that you can. God, I actually don't know how, but I do know who. And you know what happens when you get to that place of meekness, that place of humility? Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They will dominate. They will occupy. They will prosper. They will have all that God has prepared for them. Why? When they get meek. Weakness leads to meekness. Let's go back to that passage we read earlier where Paul writes, he says, all you need is grace. My grace is all you need. This is the place that God wants all of us to get to. My grace is all you need, Cole. Do you know what grace is? Grace is the empowering presence of God to be who God's called you to be and to do what he's called you to do. Everything you need to do, to be, to look after your family, to have a healthy marriage, to run that, but everything you need is found in grace. All you need, my grace is sufficient. Do you know how you get grace? The Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Weakness leads to meekness. Some of us need to start celebrating the fact that we are weak. The third point we're going to do four. Weak is not bleak. Weak means seek. My kids are learning a lot. They do at a young age. They're trying everything. They're trying to tie shoelaces. They're trying to draw. They're trying to, they're, they're just everything's, a, every day is a new learning, learning curve. And, and, and they got it yesterday, but they can't quite get it today. And, and every time they're trying something and failing, every time I see weakness, Every time they're not quite getting it right, I am desperate to help. I am willing to help. I want to show them. I want to teach them. I want to guide them. I want to come alongside them. But do you know how often I don't get the opportunity to do that? Because before I can move in to help, they've had a tantrum and they've walked away from that thing. You and I, are not much different when it comes to our weakness. Oh God, I can't! And we leave. And God was like, that was when I wanted to move in. That was like my prime time. And you walked away because you let frustration. I'm telling you that weakness is not a resignation. It's an invitation. Weakness is not a resignation, it's an invitation. Some of us need to get better at seeking God in our weakness. Some of us are really good at complaining to God in our weakness, complaining about our weaknesses. Some of us are very good at talking to everybody else about our weaknesses. Some of us are even really good at talking to others about God not moving on behalf of our weaknesses. What we're not good at is seeking God in the middle of our weakness. Say, God, I need your help. 
You've got to intervene here, God. I don't know how to do this. I need your strength. I need your grace. We need to seek God. We need to cry out to God. We need to stop biding time through areas of failure and weakness. We need to stop trying to like get at it harder and work at it harder and hustle and grind and come up with a new strategy. We need to learn to wait on God. Some of us would see far more favor in our lives if we spent half an hour in our word and in prayer than we did trying to hit the ground. Seek God. Seek God. When we're weak, it's a time to seek. God wants to come alongside you, help you. This is what Paul writes again. He says, so now I am glad to boast in my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. You see, God is not going to move outside of you. He's going to work through you. But He can't work through you unless you're connected to Him, unless you're seeking Him, unless you're listening to Him, unless you're giving Him your time and your attention. The power of God is not going to work outside of you. Many of us want God to do an outside miracle. God wants to do an inside miracle. God partners. He comes alongside. I am not going to tie my daughter's shoes for the rest of her life. I'm going to teach. I'm going to come alongside. Then I'm going to be there as she learns. God is going to come alongside, and he's going to give us power in and through you. We have to commit in our times of weakness to seek God. The last and final point is that weak is not bleak. Weak means we'll beat. The devil will do whatever he can to keep you living between A and B. Think your graphic's gonna come up on the screen. He's gonna do whatever he can. Can we pop it up? To get you living between A and B. My strength, my ability, my comfort zone, my sweet spot, everything I can do. The devil will do whatever he can to keep you living between A and B. Because when you move into B to C, you become weak and we begin to see miracles and moves of God and the power of God and the victory of God where we will be saying statements. Church, we should be believing. Every single one of us, this church should be rearing with testimonies and praise reports and declaration of God's goodness because we go, I didn't, he did. I don't know how. It was only God. But we won't do it was only God when it was only me. Oh man, the devil's having a field day because you and I are living between A and B. And Jesus saying, walk on water, feed the 5,000, stretch out your hand. God is saying, you're not weak, you're a mighty warrior, but as soon as you think it's your strength, I'll strip your strength that you're at 1%, and then I'll show myself strong. Do you know what's incredible about this passage that we read earlier? The passage says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know how most people read that verse? Most people read it, when I am weak, then he is strong. It doesn't say that. It says, when I am weak, I am strong. I am strongest when I'm weakest. God's power is going to work through me. 
And so I told you the title is Weakness is Your Superpower. But what I really should have said is weakness is His superpower. You will see the superpower of God in your life when you view weakness differently. So I'm gonna read this passage one more time. Each time He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Some of us today need to just commit to changing our attitude about weakness. Weak is not bleak, it's on fleek. Some of you today, you need to recognize that you're at the end of yourself. Humble yourself. Say, God, I can't. I actually can't change my marriage. I need you. I actually can't change my teenage kids. I need you. Some of you need to run to God. You've been weak, but you've been running from Him, complaining to Him. Some of you need to just commit today. I'm going to seek you, God. I'm going to run after you. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to give in. And all of us need to believe that our weakness is a setup for the greatest power, the greatest move of God that we have ever seen. Would you mind closing your eyes? I just want to pray two prayers. The first prayer is for anybody who finds himself in the room today. Are you going, hey, Cole, to be honest, I don't actually know Jesus. I know church and Christianity, but I don't have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. And friend, we do not want anyone to leave this building ever wondering if they know Jesus or not. And so at every single service, we give everyone an opportunity online and in the room to respond to God. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. We don't want you walking out here anything other than saved today. So with everybody's eyes closed, we're not gonna embarrass you. I'd just love to know who I'm praying for. I'm gonna ask you in a moment just to raise your hand and you can pop it straight back down and then we're gonna pray together and ask Jesus to come and be your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here that wants to respond today and ask Jesus into their heart? Would you pop up your hand? Oh, there's one hand. Thank you. There may be people online that want to respond today as well. Come on, church. Why don't you just repeat after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross, for taking all my sin and shame. Jesus, today, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Why don't you just keep your eyes closed for a moment? Just a quick prayer. Maybe one of those four points about weak is not bleak. Why don't you just take a moment? I'm just going to pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of weakness. I pray today that people would walk out of here knowing your grace is all we need. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.